Hello and welcome to Alice is Everywhere. My name is Heather, your guide for all things Wonderland in print, vinyl, stage, screen. Today we are spending a night at the opera, figuratively. I saw an Alice in Wonderland opera here in Los Angeles a few months back, so I am going to give you my thoughts on that. After we talk about that performance, I'm going to play a few excerpts from other Alice in Wonderland-inspired operas for you. If you're wondering, there's no real definitive piece of work. There is no one Alice in Wonderland opera that if you said, hey, I'm going to the Alice opera, that anyone would know what you were talking about. There have been several attempts in recent years. That sounds belittling, doesn't it? There were successful attempts, to be sure. The operas were completed. They were performed. People went to see them. But none became the standard against which all other Alice operas will be measured. That's never really happened with an Alice musical, either, oddly enough. None has become successful enough to become a well-known standard in musical theater. Certainly not the production Wonderland, which premiered on Broadway in April of 2011, and closed in May of 2011. I'll play you a few snippets from that at another time, but for now, back to the opera. In November, I traveled to downtown Los Angeles to the Disney Concert Hall to see the world premiere of Alice's Adventures Underground. Immediately, I thought, points for authenticity, as that was the original title of the story we all know and love. They even put the space in between under and ground. However, the opera contained a mad tea party and other elements that were not actually in the first manuscript, Alice's Adventures Underground. So why bother to call it that? I don't know. This was a rather experimental opera. The LA Times reviewed it, and their headline was, The Craziest Opera Yet, Gerald Berry's Alice's Adventures. And I was very glad to read that, because as I was sitting there watching it unfold, I was thinking to myself, this is nuts. This is absolutely bats in the belfry, toys in the attic crazy. So it was nice to see a major publication agree with me. Although in their review, they would talk about something that was totally crazy, and the next sentence would be, it was breathtaking, or it was exhilarating. Whereas my editorials would be more like, mm, it was weird, or it was hard to listen to. And that's really my main complaint about the opera. It was hard to listen to. The L.A. Philharmonic co-commissioned this opera, and this was its world premiere. The composer is an Irishman named Gerald Barry. Just so nobody gets confused, Gerald Barry is not the composer we spoke about on a previous episode. He is not the composer who wrote Cabbages and Kings and a whole bunch of other operatic works based on the writings of Lewis Carroll. That composer is David Del Tredici. This composer, Gerald Barry, had some success a few years ago with another experimental opera. That opera was based on the importance of being earnest. This is Mr. Barry's first Alice work. The performance was categorized by the L.A. Philharmonic under Green Umbrella. That's their designation for more daring works. I was vaguely aware of this going in. I was also vaguely aware of it being semi-staged and not a full-on theatrical-type performance, but I was still a little bummed that semi-staged just means there's some microphones lined up in front of the orchestra and the singers just stand there. Is that even semi-staged? I don't know. I think I was expecting some choreography or something. A tenor did come running in in the beginning singing that he was going to be late, but that was about the extent of the action. Now, the orchestra was on stage for good reason, though. They were practically a character in themselves. The music was very frenetic the whole way through, and the orchestra would often jump in suddenly in response to something a character sang. I'm actually going to read a little bit of the LA Times review by Mark Swed because I think he paints a very accurate picture of what went on. 
End I quote. Within his score's first minute, the Mad Hatter had serious competition in the madcap department. The velocity never let up. The opera got topsier and turvier by the minute. Even a brief silence felt somehow gravity-defying, as though we were accelerating into a black hole that sucked up sound along with light and matter. After fifty such minutes, and a phenomenal performance in which the seven singers assumed the roles of fifty-two characters, and the orchestra turned on enough dimes to add up to serious money, a dazed sigh of relief seemed to come from both the stage and the auditorium." I realize I've sounded rather negative so far. Let me be very clear. The performers were amazing. The singers were just ridiculously talented, and like I said, the orchestra was practically a character in itself. But just because something is difficult to perform doesn't make it enjoyable to watch. As I was sitting in the Disney concert hall, I actually thought of a conversation I overheard between my husband and his father... They were debating the merits of Cirque du Soleil, which my husband is not a fan of at all. And my father-in-law said, These are remarkable athletes. What they are doing is very difficult. You could never do what they're doing up there. And my husband said, Well, of course I can't do it. But that doesn't make it good. That doesn't make it interesting to me. Now, I would not be that harsh in judging Alice's adventures underground. But when Alice fell down the rabbit hole, for example, there was what felt like five full minutes of Barbara Hannigan, the soprano who played Alice, doing vocal runs while singing the word down. So something like, down, 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 down. Except nothing like that, because I'm not an opera singer. Can you believe that? I'm not. So I'm sitting there listening to this, and it's obviously very difficult what she is doing, and using only vocals to depict Alice falling is very clever. So I appreciated it, but I appreciated it more than I enjoyed it for sure. The whole opera was only 50 minutes long, so it's doubtful that she really did runs for one-tenth of that time. But it really felt like it. You know what? Another podcast has a little snippet of her doing the down, and I'm gonna steal it just so you can hear it. That's awful, isn't it? Stealing from another podcast? I'm totally doing it, though. The opera has only been performed twice, so I can't find any other excerpts online, except for this podcast that was done by the Barbican Theatre in London, which is where the opera had its second performance a week after the L.A. premiere. The audio's not great, but I think you get the idea. honest i don't even know if that's the part where she's falling down the rabbit hole because pretty much the whole opera sounded that way to me if you're wondering if i'm an opera aficionado, <laughs> quite obviously i am not i did grow up playing the violin so i'm very familiar with classical music i enjoy the opera i go on occasion but my knowledge is the equivalent of opera's greatest hits my favorite opera is don giovanni for pity's sake so please don't consider this a particularly educated opera review When I got home, my aforementioned husband asked me, was the audience filled with tons of big Alice nerds like you? And that did not appear to be the case. There were a few moments that really riffed on aspects of the book in an ingenious way, and I looked around to gauge the audience's reaction, and there pretty much wasn't one. So I think it was more L.A. Phil subscribers than Alice fans in the audience. And one final note, because for some reason I don't seem to be capable of being the slightest bit negative about anything without a hundred qualifiers... This opera played one night only in Los Angeles, and that night was the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. 
And maybe you saw on the news that week or floating around in a viral fashion on social media that photo of the freeways in Los Angeles lit up like a Christmas tree of red brake lights. It was apparently one of the worst traffic days in the history of automobile driving. <laughs> like if Henry Ford could leap forward in time and see what he had wrought, he'd scream, No, no, take me back! I won't invent the automobile, I'm so sorry! So the fact that it took me almost two hours to go 18 miles to downtown Los Angeles may have put me in a slightly teensy little bad mood. We'll never know how much I would have enjoyed Alice's Adventures Underground if I got there in 25 minutes. If I had a similar experience to the month before when I went downtown, also on a Tuesday, to see a Tom O'Dell concert and got there in less than a half hour and got a great spot up front in the first row and it only cost $25 and I walked away thinking it was one of the best concerts of my life. Although Tom O'Dell is a great performer and songwriter and piano player, and I already loved his music going in, so maybe that's not the best parallel. And why am I talking about him? What does he have to do with Alice in Wonderland or this opera? Absolutely nothing. I just like talking about Tom O'Dell. Oh wait, he does do a cover of Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's by Elton John. So there's your Tom O'Dell Wonderland connection. I guess that's a stretch. In conclusion... I don't regret seeing Alice's Adventures Underground, and I would never tell an Alice in Wonderland fan not to see it, as Alice in Wonderland opera is quite hard to come by. But just be prepared for a very experimental opera that may be enjoyed more by an educated opera fan. Having said that, I don't know when you will get an opportunity to see it. As I mentioned, it's only been performed twice now. So, Alice's Adventures Underground was written by an Irish composer, Gerald Barry. Other recent Alice in Wonderland operas were written by composers from England, Korea, and France, which is a wonderful testament to the international appeal of our girl Alice and the wonderful writing of Lewis Carroll. The English production was performed in 2013 in Holland Park in London. It was a family-friendly affair composed by Will Todd entitled Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Imagine that. It was performed again at the Royal Opera House in 2015 to help celebrate the 150th anniversary of the publication of the book. This opera borrows from many other genres of music. For example, the Caterpillar sings a song called The Wonderland Blues. I'm going to play a song called Pillar Cat. I'll be honest, I don't know exactly what's going on at this point in the opera. I just like the song the best of the excerpts I listen to. As you'll see, it's rather jazzy in nature. Let's give Pillar Cat by Will Todd a listen, shall we? Hey, Mr. Bunny, wait for me! What happens now? It says something here about a Pillar Cat. You're reading it upside down. Over here! It's back to front. It's over here. It's over here. It's over many, many excerpts from Will Todd's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland available on YouTube if you'd like to further explore that production. The next Alice in Wonderland opera we're going to discuss is available in its entirety on YouTube. Over two hours of non-stop entertainment. Non-stop, crazy, confusing, unsettling entertainment. 
The opera I speak of is Alice in Wonderland by Unsuk Chin, which debuted in Munich in 2007 and has played here and there in the years since, including in Los Angeles in 2015, but unfortunately I was out of town and did not see it, or maybe fortunately, as this production may have given me rather unpleasant dreams. The singer portraying Alice wears a gigantic mask. I have no idea what this thing is made of. It must be rather permeable, as we can hear her just fine. It's just terrifying. Unsuk Chin is a female composer. She was born in Korea, but lives in Germany. I feel like the female part is worth mentioning, as composing still seems to be somewhat of a man's world, even now in the year 2017. Alice in Wonderland was her first opera, but it must have been fairly well received as she is currently working on its sequel, Through the Looking Glass. Fun fact, her breakthrough composition, the one that really put her on the classical music map in 1991, was entitled Acrostic Wordplay. I think Lewis Carroll would approve, don't you? Once again, I don't know what is going on in the excerpt I'm about to play for you. In the video clip, Alice and other characters appear to be playing ping pong with her head, or a replica of her head. Some of the hilarious YouTube comments include, is this supposed to be some kind of humor? Can anybody give me some idea what this means? Why is the music so scary? Why are they playing with the girl's head? And the more positive, wow, I wish I could write music like this. Let's see if you agree with its wowness. Alrighty then, I've got one more example of Alice Opera to play for you. It's the longest clip because I like it the best, and you are all subject to my whim. A Pays de Alice is described as a hip-hop opera. It's in French, which may have been hard to tell by my pronunciation. What can I tell you? I took Spanish in school. A Pays de Alice, Alice in the Country, was written by French-Lebanese trumpet player Ibrahim Malouf. His collaborator is Oxmo Pacino, 
a rapper who was born in Mali, further extending Alice's international reach. I don't believe Oxmo wrote any music or lyrics. I believe Ibrahim is the sole composer, but I could be mistaken because most of the info online about this work is in French. Apparently, Apes de Alice was going to be a one-time concert, but it was so well-received they made it into an album, which you can buy on Amazon, by the way, or you can listen to most of it on YouTube for free. Even in French, most of the song titles explain pretty clearly what is going on, such as La Corsa Caucus, or even Les Councils de Un Chenille, advice from a caterpillar. The one I am playing is an exception. It's called Jamas Quand Il Feu, which Google Translate tells me means when he should ever, when he should ever. Not sure how correct Google Translate was on that one, but chronologically, the following should take place during the Pool of Tears chapter. Enjoy! lui offrir un présent afin que sa douce Alice penche à lui en son absence Devenu assez grande pour la clé fétiche Forcément la porte est maintenant trop petite Si de ce qu'on souhaite on n'y croit pas dur Que lorsqu'on peut la pensée n'y est plus Dans les déceptions de ce qu'on a voulu Les cadeaux se prennent des éclaboussures Avant d'être à la hauteur soyez sûr La chance passera faire son numéro Longtemps nous cherchons l'ouverture Ça n'est jamais quand il faut avant d'être à la hauteur, soyez sûr, la chance passera faire son numéro. Longtemps nous cherchons l'ouverture, ce n'est jamais quand il faut. Alice, tantôt grande ou tantôt l'inverse, il ne lui a pas suffi d'être à la bonne adresse. Lorsqu'on est prêt la plupart du temps Les axes sont fermés, les portiers charlatans Être comme il faut dans un sale moment Autant attraper le train galopant C'est moins difficile d'être triste à plein Une larme dessina ses petites plaintes Avant d'être à la hauteur, soyez sûr La chance passera faire son numéro Longtemps nous cherchons l'ouverture Ça n'est jamais quand il faut Avant d'être à la hauteur, soyez sûr la chance passera faire son numéro Longtemps nous cherchons l'ouverture Ça n'est jamais comme il faut
jardin, ça sera pire qu'hier La petite s'est mise à pleurer des rivières Dans lesquelles un petit groupe nage Toute une bande d'animaux bavards et des plumes Donc allergiques aux cages passionnés Quand débuta le débat sur la plage On ne parle pas d'omelette à des oiseaux Ni du plat de son chat au sourisseau Suite au discours, le vide se fit aussitôt On trouve rarement le mot qu'il faut Avant d'être à la hauteur, soyez sûr la chance passera faire son numéro Longtemps nous cherchons l'ouverture Ça n'est jamais quand il faut Avant d'être à la hauteur, soyez sûr La chance passera faire son numéro Longtemps nous cherchons l'ouverture Ça n'est jamais quand il faut trying to not do a Pepe Le Pew impression right now. I'm resisting with every fiber of my being. I hope you all enjoyed today's opera lesson. I know I did. If you get a chance, please rate the Alice is Everywhere podcast five stars on iTunes or Stitcher, and don't be afraid to spread the word via social media. I'm sure you're all dying to tell your friends about the Alice in Wonderland hip-hop opera you just discovered, and where you discovered it, yes? Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk soon.